0: Welcome back guys, this is Encounter with God here on Faith FM where we get into our Bible study, but before we get into our Bible study, just do need to mention that, uh, of course the interview we had, amazing interview right there, um, uh, and yep. We, but
1: uh, was uh, yeah. <laughs> just mentioning
0: that it was a uh, an interview that we recorded some time ago and wanted to play it again for you this morning.
1: Clearly Monday. It is clearly Monday. <laughs> Lawson,
0: give us a clearly Monday clue for our quiz, which nobody's got
1: yet. All right, I'm going to give a couple clues here. Okay. I'm going to do a recap and a couple clues. Here we go. In Hosea 6, the Lord says that Judah and Ephraim are like I was because they broke the covenant. We've already heard that. We know this person yeah. is 930 years old. Not many of them. Uh, Seth is my son And there is no suitable helper found for me Before woman was created
0: Yeah, okay Alright,
1: that kind of gives it away right it there So give us a
0: call right now 1-800-324-843 Or text us on zero four nine one zero six four six six nine, And there will be a prize coming your way
2: mm-hmm.
1: Bible study Encounter with God 20 million movement Guess what day it is today Mon- Monday. Yes, the date. Oh, the, is it the 11th? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Is is that... Of? November. It's the 11th which of the is, 11th. Ah, uh, yeah. So, it's 1111? Yeah,
0: 11119. 11119. Okay, okay,
1: so... Okay, but the 11th of the 11th is... <sighs> Millennials.
0: What am I going to do? <laughs> I'm, I'm so confused. <laughs> it's Remembrance Day. 11th, the 11th. 11th, oh, 11th, 11th. Why the 11th, is not the no 11th, one talking 11th. about it? I haven't That's seen right. yeah, anything no, about it. And I think it's kind of sad because, you know, this is something that should be promoted and we should uh, we should be hearing about all over the place. 100%. And I'm hoping, I, I, I don't know, um, we need to talk to the guys down in Victoria because I'll be off air by the time the uh, the 11th, the 11th, the 11th comes by, but we need to arrange for um, a minute silence on Faith FM, I think. 100%.
1: Hundred percent. Did you have? Uh, do you have any family members who were veterans or involved in any conflicts?
0: Yes, my grandfather um, was in the Second World War. He ah. um, fought and survived, obviously, um, in Rabaul, mm-hmm. which was um, pretty heavy area of the uh, of the war. Um, going back to the First World War, I'm sure I had relatives that were involved in that, but. Um, I don't know. Mm-hmm. It, my my family history on my family tree on both sides a little bit scant in detail. Yeah. Uh, what about yourself?
1: Oh, so my grandfather was in World War Two. He was a commando. He served in, uh, I think it was it was Papua New Guinea and Borneo. Mm-hmm. And then my great grandfather served in World War One. I. I don't think he he might have left Australia. I'm not sure, but he didn't do any like extensive tour or anything but he was you know conscripted to the army at that time so so yeah he so my that's my grandfather my great-grandfather and going back before that again i'm I'm not super well-versed in my family tree so i, I, don't, I don't know yeah. So there you go. Yeah, I've, I've got a few.
0: One of my distant relatives um, <laughs> served under Lord Howard and Sir Francis Drake fighting the Spanish Armada. Is oh, they... yeah,
1: distant. Oh, I've heard this story before. Absolutely. So distant that oh. there's no connection.
0: There's a connection. Yeah, there are Southwell. Southwell.
1: <laughs> That's good enough for me. <laughs> the <With> strong <laughs> Protestant Lame claim to fame right there Well, not lame, I'm sure that person was really cool but the It's like when 15
0: it... British men of war went up against 136 Spanish galleons mm. And smashed them, actually the storm smashed them But um,
1: <laughs> the British fought well on that occasion I'm sure I'm related to him <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. His <laughs> blood is throwing,
0: flowing through my veins mm, Men of war yeah, but, uh, I mean, you know, we do need to remember while we might um, speak about it lightheartedly here for a moment, mm. uh, you know, and, and Mon, we, we miss Mon so much here on yeah. the station. Um, you know, her father, her grandfather, I should say, mm. uh, fought on the Russian front. It mm. um, was the only member of his unit that survived. Um, and, um, yeah, as driving um, panzers, as it were, with the Wehrmacht. ha. <laughs> Nice. Yes, pretty full on, pretty full on uh, stuff that you know, mm. and I think that's one of the things that we often you know don't think about and don't mention. We talk about the cost in life, we talk about the cost in health, mm. we talk about the cost in emotional health of you know our nation, our families, but also the nations and the families of our enemies. Mm. Because we need to recognize that, you know, one or two generations down the track, our enemies are going to be our next-door neighbors. Mm. Um, and, you know, I think Mon is a great example of that where, you know, back it wasn't that long ago when the Germans were our enemies and, mm. and now they're just our next-door neighbors and, you know, here on Faith FM and, and testifying for Jesus Christ and all the rest. Mm. And uh, I think the 11th of the 11th of the 11th, I think we need to all set our, um, our alarms to go off, you know, just a couple of minutes before that, so that we can prepare for it, and we can observe that minute of silence wherever you are. We are, whatever we're doing. I, I think there'll be a lot of us that will be busy at that time, and um, we can just come to a uh, come to a stop and to remember all those that have given their lives for the freedom, the wealth, the prosperity that we have here, particularly in this country, in Australia. Mm and um you know it's interesting that uh, remembrance day you know it began um it was inaugurated by king george V in 1919 at the end of the first world war mm. um where they um you know they signed the armistice and um and and that morning that was there was a uh, back in buckingham palace they had a, a a banquet in honor of the of the french republic um in the um, evening hours of of the tenth of November nineteen, and subsequently held um, the following morning um, a, a remembrance um, service, mm. and so it's you know been in place since then. But you know it was adopted by all Commonwealth countries, which is a lot of countries. You know Australia, Barbados, Belize, Bermuda, Canada, India, Kenya, New Zealand, uh, Saint Lucia, South Africa, uh, and and of course right through the UK. But it wasn't just adopted. By Commonwealth countries, because there were a lot of non-Commonwealth countries that were involved at that time as well, and so it's also um, observed in France, Belgium, Denmark, Germany, Hong Kong, Ireland, Israel, Italy, the Netherlands, Norway, Poland, Serbia, and the United States. Mm. Um, and I think I think they do do a very good job of it in the U.S. Mm. As Australians, we we're not good on traditions, yeah, and, it, and it's it's a pity because traditions enrich. A culture, mm. and we have lost a lot of that in some of our, you know, our fun, irreverent, easygoing um, attitude to life mm. as Aussies. Um, but you know, at occasions like this, we do need to stop. Yeah, we do need to remember. Uh, Anzac Day is our big remembrance day. I get that, but the eleventh of the eleventh is one that is pretty much, as we mentioned here, yeah, worldwide.
1: Yeah, it's worldwide. <laughs>
0: Um so yeah set your alarm clocks guys uh take the time to not just remember those who have fallen but to pray for those who have survived mm. and are continuing to survive particularly our veterans because the PTSD toll on our mm. veterans is just horrific yeah it is just absolutely horrific and we you know it's been it's been in the news it's been in the you know they've been talking about it in parliament and so forth the last few days uh, which is important. We need to do more than talk about it. We need to actually address this issue. Yeah. And, um, you know, yeah, the, the the greatest solution to all of these kinds of things to aid in dealing with these issues is to meet Jesus Christ. Mm. You know, you talk to any veteran who has suffered severe PTSD um, and they're going to tell you that the, the biggest thing that saved them from any of that, you know, and we've had several movies that have come out in the last, you know, few years from, you know, say Desmond Doss, or uh, what was the name of that guy that um, survived in the raft? Um,
1: I'm not sure. That sounds like yeah, an awesome. Angelina
0: Jolie produced the movie. Um, oh, the, uh, is that the Unbreakable? Unbreakable. Uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And you read his testimony. Um, years of severe PTSD and alcoholism, and mm. uh, saved. You know, by giving his life to Jesus Christ, wow. to Billy Graham Crusade, and just completely turned his life around. Wow! And um, yeah, we need to be able to reach out where we can uh, to people in these kind of situations. But um, yeah, serious stuff. All right, I know that I'm sidetracked somewhat from the Bible study, but I make no apology for that mm. because we do need to we do need to take time to remember these things. Let's mm. go to the book of Nehemiah. Yes, as we prepare for our study. Um, And we have moved on from Chapter 8 Which means that we are now in Chapter 9 And today we get to consider the first three verses of Chapter Mm 9 As part of the 20 million movement 20 million people around the world all studying the same passage
2: You're listening to Faith FM Positively different radio
0: Okay, Lawson, let us have it. What have we got there in Nehemiah chapter 1 and verse 1? You
1: mean 9 and verse
0: 1. 9
1: and verse 1. Here we go. Um, The people confess their sins. That's the subheading I have in my my Bible. It says, On October 31st, uh, uh, the people assembled again, and this time they fasted and dressed in burlap and sprinkled dust on their heads. Those of Israelite descent separated themselves from all foreigners as they confessed their own sins and the sins of their ancestors. They remained standing in the place, in place for three hours while the book of the law of the Lord, their God, was read aloud to them. Then for three hours they confessed their sins and worshipped the Lord, their God.
0: Okay, so there's some interesting things that sort of come up here. They mm. separate themselves from the foreigners that are amongst them.
1: Mm-hmm. Why? Um, well, it tells us why. It says, like, because then they go to confess their sins. Why wouldn't they invite the foreigners to be a part of that? Mm. I... Man, I don't know. I'm like... <laughs> Maybe it's from the perspective um that like, oh hey, you need to I don't know, they don't want to force it on anyone. It needs to be like a, a personal experience rather than a rather than a corporate experience in this sense. But it says that the, the Jews as a group, but then they go and confess their sins on their own, so it's it's interesting. Well there's both corporate and personal confession that I, I think that is taking place here. Mm. And
0: both are important. Um, you know, particularly when wrongs have been done. Mm. One of the things that you'll find with the nation of Israel was, and particularly in this era, the foreigners amongst them were always a danger. Yes, and that was because they were chosen as a nation, as God's church. Mm. Very, very different from today's world, where God has chosen a church rather than a nation. Mm. When they came out of Egypt, it begins with when they came out of Egypt, there was what was called the mixed multitude. Mm. And the mixed multitude was a very, very large number of Egyptians who saw what was happening to the Jews and have gone, you know what, God is blessing this people group and not blessing our people group. We have the wealth, we have the power, but we do not have the blessings of God, and we can clearly see that the Jewish God suddenly outranks all of our gods. Hmm. So we're going to throw our lot in with the Israelites. Yeah. And so as the Israelites are then leaving the uh, the land of Egypt, they toss themselves in with the Israelites and like, yep, we're going, to, we're going to go where the grass appears to be greener. That leads them to the desert. Yeah. And now suddenly they are living as nobads in the desert. They had been wealthy in Egypt. They were the ruling class in Egypt. They are no longer the ruling class because they're now they're the kind of the Gentiles, you know. Mm. Uh, They find themselves in an unenviable position. They can't go back to Egypt because they will be seen as the worst of the worst kind of traitors. And Egypt Egypt is being smashed by Hyksos and all this kind of stuff anyway. So Mm. who would want to go back there? They have made a decision based on self Mm. They have not come to God because they love God. They have not come to God because they know God. They have come to God because they see that there is more prosperity there than elsewhere. And because of that, they are the first to grumble. They are the first to complain. They are the first to kick up a stink. When things do not go wrong, they're the first to go to Moses and say, Oh, you've brought us out of Egypt and, you know, where we had this and we had that and we had the other. You know, we had had garlic and we had leeks and we had, you know, and now Mm. we're just eating this manna. Mm. Or, oh, you brought us out of Egypt, and we don't know who this God is, so let's make ourselves a golden calf, which, of course, was you know commonly worshipped in the land of Egypt. That wasn't something uh, foreign to Egyptians. And it would start there mm. because these people were not motivated by service to God. They were motivated by economics. Yeah, by prosperity. And then what would happen is it would infect the Israelites, and the Israelites would so- suddenly f- forget that they're serving a God who parted the Red Sea. Mm. They would forget that they were serving a God who spoke to them audibly from on top of Mount Sinai, the Ten Commandments. They would forget that they served a God who had brought all of the plagues on Egypt, and they'd be suddenly like, oh, yeah, maybe these guys are right. Now, of course, they've got a very good um, reason to complain because they've gone from living in houses to living in tents. They've been gone from being the wealthy elite ruling class to being the The kind of the lesser, Mm. the lesser class, Um, and they've gone to. They're they're now living as peasants, and of course, you know the Jews. Their main, you know, their main, um, their main livelihood and the thing that they, you know, focused their attention on was husbandry, Mm. and of course, the um, which you know, looking after animals and livestock and sheep and so forth. Whereas the Egyptians despised anyone that had to, anything to do with um, livestock. Mm. And so now that's what they're kind of forced into. And so yeah. for them, they've taken this massive step down. And so it was very, very easy for them to complain. Mm. And then their complaints would be picked up by the Israelites.
1: Yeah, exactly. And it's like interesting because the Israelites are coming from the opposite place. Like they're just being emancipated from slavery. And it's like anything could be better than their situation. Yet now they're like, like in that circumstance anyway, in the desert, they were, they were complaining. And so, you know, bringing that into the context of Nehemiah, you can see so easily, like, because a lot of the, I think we talked a little bit earlier, um, last week or the week before about how a lot of the reforms of Nehemiah were taken by the Pharisees to extremes and we look at the pharisees as like the bad guys of you know the bad guys of the gospel when you know i think the principles behind what the pharisees were striving for w- was correct they could just they could just see very clearly that every time we've had anything to do with gentiles we've fallen astray like we've been we've gone astray we've fallen away we've been led up the garden path the basic idea was sound where they took it was ridiculous exactly and so but we see i guess a healthy a healthy uh type of a healthy way to do this uh what's a a healthy a healthy practice of this principle where they're like okay well now it's time to worship our god you know in truth and in uprightness we're going to separate ourselves because that's what we need to do, that, you know, we need to have this personal experience with God, especially when it's like they're coming together to, to fast and to pray and to repent and to, you know, they're wearing sackcloth and ashes. It's like, this is not an experience that is mingled with, you know, this is not an everyday average experience. This is something I need to do with God, which is something as as Christians that we do when we, for example, keep the Sabbath, it's like we keep the Sabbath and we say, Okay, well I'm gonna separate myself from the rest of the world. I'm not gonna you know, I'm not gonna go out and, and buy stuff and, and and do worldly activities. Instead I'm gonna spend time with my God and with like minded people who want to spend time with with the God that I worship. Of course, we then as as Sabbath keepers we invite everyone to come and do that. We're like, oh, hey, like, do you want to come to church with us? Do you want to spend time with us? You know, worshiping God and giving thanks to him and reverence to him because because we love God. Um, But I think, you know, the Israelites, they decided to separate themselves because they could see so clearly that every time they, they were with the people, they were led to do the opposite. They were led to, okay, you know, we're spending time on this, you know, on this special day. Instead of spending time with our God, we're spending time with Gentiles. And then that's leading us to not spend time with God. So yep. Paul brings
0: a great balance to it when he says, "Do not be yoked with unbelievers." Let me talk mm. about that in just a moment. But, but well, I do need to mention that the quiz has been answered.
1: Oh, there you go. And I'm
0: wondering, do we have a do, producer, Shell? Do we have a name for the answer of the quiz? I, I have that. I have that here. It's already <laughs> come through for me. Let me just uh, <laughs> let me just check and find out who is it who has answered the quiz. We need to congratulate somebody, Ian from Grafton. Oh, shout out, Ian! And he said Adam. Ian <laughs> said Adam. Get on yeah, Ian. So he you'll be Adam. getting a prize. You will. Yeah. Congratulations. Well done. The answer is correct. It is Adam. Adam who lived to be 930 years old.
1: <sighs> what a life.
0: <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so let's come back to this because, you know, the Pharisees took this to ridiculous lengths and uh, created a whole burden where, you know, you couldn't even eat with a Gentile. You couldn't go under the roof of a Gentile, mm. you know, Whereas Paul, I think, gives it really good balance when he says, don't be yoked with unbelievers. Mm. And this is what you find happening with the mixed multitude. This is what you find happening whenever Israel gets into trouble. This is what you find happening in the time of Nehemiah, where they were actually getting yoked with unbelievers. And it's always a disaster whenever it happens. And so some people ask me, what does it mean to be yoked with unbelievers? This is an old English term. And a yoke was a, an implement um, made by a piece of wood and often two large loops of iron that you would use to connect two cows together so that you had double the pulling power um, when you used them to pull a cart or a plough or whatever it else might be. So if you go to a developing country today, you'll see that yolks are very commonly used today um, as you know, in, in agriculture and so forth. Anyway, we'll be back uh, right after this song.
2: Jesus, draw me ever near As I labor through the storm And off With your lightness, let me wait, Jesus. God-
0: That was Jesus Draw Me Forever Nearer with Margaret Becker, Kristen Lennox, Joanne Hogg, Marie Brennan. Yeah, interesting title on that one. But anyway, <laughs> just trying to read all of these names here and then they all start all over again. Uh, that's good. Okay, let's go back to what we were studying and what we were talking about. Um, we were talking about how that the Israelites separated themselves from the, from the Gentiles. We're talking about yoke. And oh, that's right. We're talking about the yoke and where Paul says don't be unequally yoked. So Paul brings balance to it. Okay, so a yoke is something that ties you to, mm-hmm. is a tangible, organic tie that has tied you to another person. mm mm-hmm. um, In many ways, chained you to another person. Mm-hmm. And so when the Bible says don't be unequally yoked together, we would start by looking at marriage. Mm-hmm. And I would say this, if you are a Christian today and you are in a relationship with a non-Christian and you are not married to that person, then you need to use your phone. And I'd do it right now. You need to call, you need to break up because you are setting yourself up for a world of pain. Mm. This is not something, this is not a situation that I have ever seen go well. It is a a situation, it is an environment in which you are um, setting yourself up for disaster on an epic scale. You're talking about people who aren't married. I'm talking about people who aren't married. Mm. That's right, because the Bible talks about people who are married. And it's like, oh, if you're already married and and you give your heart to God or um, your partner walks away from God, whatever it might be then uh, live a godly life and win them to Jesus by the godly life that you live. Of course. Um, So completely different kettle of fish. I am talking about people who are in a relationship and they are considering marrying somebody who is not a Christian. I would say that is a terrible, terrible idea. Mm. And from what I have seen, I would not recommend it under any circumstances. And if you're a non-Christian listening today, don't marry a Christian Mm. because it's going to be a terrible idea for you. Mm. It's going to make your life miserable. It's going to make your life hard. You know, this this equation goes both ways. Mm. Uh, when it comes to being unequally yoked, there are other things that we need to consider about as well. You know, legally binding contracts, uh, partnerships in business, and so forth. You know, what are they going to do? You know, you get into a legally binding contract with a business partner, they're going to have a different view of morality to what you mm. are. They're going to have a different set of standards. They're going to have a different code by which they live, which may not be illegal, but for you is against your conscience. And yeah. what are you going to be able to do about it? Well, you can't. You've now lost your business or your connection with God. Mm. Mm. And so, when the Bible talks about them separating themselves from the Gentiles here at this particular point, it's not that Nehemiah was encouraging racism or exclusiv- exclusivism? Yep. Uh, that was what the Pharisees did with it later on. They're like, "Oh, okay." Nehemiah did this, so let's uh, let's not eat with Gentiles. Let's not not um, you know do business with Gentiles. Let's not go into their house. Let's not touch Gentiles. You know, mm. um, that was not the case in any way, shape, or form. Okay. Uh, Verse, where did we get up to? Do we read all three verses? Yeah. Uh
2: Let's
0: let's read verse 2 and 3 again. There's more, more things there I want to draw out from
1: this passage. Sure. Those of Israelite descent separated themselves from all foreigners as they confessed their own sins and the sins of their ancestors. They remained standing in place for three hours while the book of the law of their God, uh, while the book of their law of their God was read aloud to them. Then, for three hours, they confessed their sins and worshipped the Lord their God.
0: Yeah, so we had a uh, caller who called in last week and said, "Hey, we should try this for church one time." You know, just uh, have a time of just yeah. You know, let's read the first five <laughs> books of the Bible for church. Let's start early in the morning. Just read them all through.
1: Yes, and uh, <laughs> Lawson. I'm all about it. Lawson's
0: <laughs> going to do this over at Raymond Terrace one of these days. I'm I am
1: so keen. You would not believe, like to start in Genesis <laughs> and read through.
0: Well, it would kind of go well with the theme of this study because I know you guys, one of your bi- one of your small group classes over there, is part of the 20 million movement, right? Yeah, yeah, fully. And so. Um, It would go well with that. It's like, hey, guys, this is what we're reading. Let's do this.
1: Uh, Even if it's not. And then
0: at the end of it, you could open it up for a time of, you know, confession and repentance, making things
1: right. Even if it's not the first five books, I just love to read through the book of Genesis. Like that would be so good. And, you know, just have a a reader each, you know, say, give everyone three chapters each. Like you know, out of a group of readers, I would love that. I love like one of my favorite things is, at church is doing the scripture reading, like getting up the front and just reading, just from reading the Bible. It. Something oh. we just do not do these days. The screen era, as we were talking about earlier,
0: and if you missed that section that we when we talked about screens and the latest research that is coming out in relationship to screens, you need to go and grab the podcast and to re listen to that piece. It is really serious stuff. Yeah, fully um, screens. Abuse of screens is destroying our children mm. and you might be sitting back and like, well, my kids don't abuse screens. Uh, basically, if your kid is any kind of average kid today, your kid is abusing screens. Yeah, 100%. And setting themselves up for you know, a world of pain uh, that you are going to be responsible for as a parent because mm. it's your responsibility to be a parent. Fully. Fully.
1: And that, that's leading to you know uh, lower literacy rates, lower motivation oh, all kinds rates. of stuff. I need to go all back and, stuff. and check that out.
0: But in our, in our world where screens have taken over, reading is something that has kind of disappeared. We need to recapture reading and re- mm. recapture the joy of reading. I think it's I think it's a fantastic idea. Okay, what I find interesting here is the uh, confession that takes place because they are confessing publicly as a group. Mm. There are some things that you would not confess in that environment. Some things that you would only confess between you and God, and that's all. Yeah. But there are occasions where we should confess publicly together as a group where that is entirely appropriate and this was one of those occasions right here mm. where it re- re- results in great revival. Mm. You know, it reminds me let's go over to Daniel chapter 9 um because you've got a, an example here of corporate confession that precedes this one. Yeah. And so, to sort of put the whole story in perspective, what you've got in Daniel chapter 9 is that Daniel's studying the Bible looking for answers to a time prophecy that's been given by Gabriel. He hasn't, Gabriel hasn't given him the answer and he's just sort of looking and he finds this other time prophecy about the 70 year captivity of Jerusalem. Sort of looks at his calendar and goes, wait a minute, that's nearly up and there is zero evidence that Israel will ever be set free by that date. We need to do some serious praying about it. He opens his windows towards Jerusalem three times a day and prays. And Daniel chapter 9 is the prayer that he prays. Do you want to start for us there in uh, verse 4?
1: Yeah, sure. It says, I prayed to the Lord my God and confessed, O Lord, you are great and you are a great and awesome God. You always f- fulfill your covenant and keep your promises of unfailing Actually, love. back up
0: to verse 3.
1: Okay. So I turned to the Lord God and pleaded with him in prayer and fasting. I also wore rough burlap and sprinkled myself with ashes.
0: Okay, so this is a parallel. This is what the people are doing here in this. And it's just, you know, um, wearing rough burlap, sprinkling yourself with ashes is a sign of mourning, mm. a sign of deep sadness. Mm-hmm. And so in both of these occasions, it's a sign of deep sadness for sin. Mm -hmm. Uh, In Daniel's case, it's for the sins of Israel, and no doubt he's confessing his own sins as well. Um, In the King James Version, it says that he prayed and made supplication, Mm. which is the word that... I would say most screen addicted kids wouldn't even have the faintest idea what it means, but it simply means request. Mm-hmm. And then it goes on, he says, and I confessed. And it's interesting how the confession always comes first in these instances. So often when we come to God, we come to God with, uh, oh, I need to pray. Okay, dear God, please. Da, 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 and we start off with, please. Yeah. You know, <laughs> um, praying to the Father Christmas in the sky is what we're doing rather than praying to the ruler and creator of the universe. Mm. And Father Christmas in the sky is non-existent, so don't be praying to him. Um, pray to the ruler and creator of the universe and give him the reverence that he deserves. He is mm. not one of the fellows. he's not somebody to be treated lightly. He is somebody who is um, to be treated with absolute reverence mm. and respect. And this is what happens here, and they begin by confession. And so this whole celebration that we're reading here in uh, Nehemiah chapter 9, and also the prayer in Daniel chapter 8 is, you know, beginning with confessing, confessing our sins, making our lives right with God. Anyway, we're going to listen to Randy Travis with Here I Am to Worship. You're listening to Faith FM.
3: Oh. Here I am to worship Hey Brad, you like bargains right?
0: Oh they don't call me bargain Hunter Brad for nothing.
3: Do they really call you that?
0: Well no. But I certainly love bargains.
3: Good. Well, you love the Wodonga Adra Op Shop. They've got heaps of great clothes, and the money goes to supporting the local community.
0: Nice. So where can I find this Adra Op Shop?
3: It's at 1117 Melrose Drive, Wodonga, and it's open on Mondays, Tuesdays, and Thursdays from 10 to
0: 3. I'm already on my way. See ya. Hey, Mon. Mm-hmm Seventh day Adventist Church. Our address is 105 Lindsay Street, Hamilton, New South Wales. Every Saturday morning, where you will be welcomed with a smile.
2: You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio.
4: Seems to go
0: Welcome back, guys. That was Bart Millard and Vince Gill with Jesus Cares For Me here on Faith FM. We have come to our question of the day time. Lawson, what have you got for
1: us? Okay, question of the day is? Remember it. Yeah, I remember. We were talking about the <laughs> confession of sin in the, in, the right. in in the Bible study in Nehemiah. Yes. And basically uh, my question is So this is um, Lawson's Lawson's question the, this time. The Bible says like that we should confess our sins to one another. Are there ever times, you know, Is that like just a a completely holistic in and of itself principle that all sinned, as well as being confessed to God, we should tell each other about it? Or are there sins that we don't tell each other? Like, what's the. Please,
0: there are sins that you should not tell me about. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so let's uh, let's look at what the Bible says on the subject of confessing to one another. First of all, the principle uh, comes through in Matthew chapter 5. The Bible says if you come to the altar to ask for forgiveness, and there you remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift at the altar, go, first be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift and ask for forgiveness. Mm. The principle here being that if your brother has something against you, it is probably as a result of something that you did. If you have sinned against somebody, you need to confess to that person and you need to ask their forgiveness. If you have stolen from them, if you have lied about them, if you have gossiped about them, whatever it might be, you need to make that right when you have sinned against another person. Not all sin involves sinning against another person. And many people ask me about, you know, what about that passage in James where it says, you know, confess your sins to each other. Does that mean that we should get together and just have a just a big general confession of every sin that we have ever committed to each other? Let me read for you what the Bible says in James chapter 5 and verse 16. Confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Mm -hmm. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. I want to highlight here the difference between faults and sins. Mm -hmm. A fault is a trait in your character which is a weakness. And so you might have a particular... Every one of us has faults in our character, in our personality, in who we are, whatever it might be. Some people have a weakness for bad language. Some people have a weakness for pornography. Some people have a weakness for stealing things. Some people have a weakness for lies. They just can't stop telling lies, you know, and the list can go on, right? That is a fault, and that is the kind of thing that God tells us you need to go and confess that to somebody else. Why? What is the purpose in saying, hey, I have a real problem in this area? So I'm not telling you I have sinned in this area. I'm not going to tell you about the time I went and actually acted on that impulse. Mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you this is my weakness, mm. and why? What is the purpose in that? Because the you know obviously I can't forgive you of any sins. You can't forgive me of any sins. The priest can't forgive you of any sins. Only Jesus can can, can forgive you of sins. You know, 1 First Timothy two verse five. The Bible says, "For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Jesus Christ." So we need to look for the purpose of confession. The purpose of confession to Jesus is to receive forgiveness of sin. The purpose of confessing our faults to each other is so that we can set up accountability partners. Mm. That's what it's about. And so God is saying, look, you're humans. You have weaknesses. You need to support each other. You need to be part of a community. That's why God invented the whole concept of church. People seem to be allergic to church these days. It does my head in. Seriously, Jesus invented church. Right through the Bible, the concept of church is there and going to church on a regular basis and being part of a community. And part of being part of a community is no point being a part of a community unless that community can support you with your weaknesses, whatever they might be. You might have a weakness for alcohol Mm. or other drugs, whatever those drugs might be. Go to your community. Confess your weakness. Ask for their help. Set these people up as accountability partners. this is a biblical principle, this is something that God has outlined for us, and something that God has um, said. This is this is something that you need to uh, that you need to attend to in your Christian experience. Else, you're going to not really, you know, tap into the full. Um, blessing and strength that is available through being part of a spiritual community. Mm. Okay, so we confess our sins to Jesus Christ to ask forgiveness. We confess our faults to each other, our weaknesses to each other, so that we can have accountability partners, prayer support, and encouragement. Mm.
1: Fully. Well, right now this is Anthem Lights with the Invitation Medley.
4: Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Says, Look full in His wonderful face And the things of earth will grow strangely dim In the light of His glory and grace oh, to Jesus I surrender all
0: That was Anthem Lights with the Invitation Medley with Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. You're listening to Faith FM. We've come to the end of our show, which means we are about to give something away. And today we are giving away something to do with good health. I think Lawson's on a bit of a theme here. He's been watching vegan movies (laughs) and promoting veganism. Do not be one of these obnoxious vegans. Please, Lawson, be be not an obnoxious vegan. I think there's a, I think there's a statement. Isn't there something in the Bible that says be not obnoxious vegans? Maybe in Second Opinions, chapter three. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there is a principle in the Bible that says, "Be not obnoxious."
1: Yeah, fully. But be vegan. Why not? Uh, yeah, hey, why not? We, you know, we're not here to promote obnoxiousness. We're not here to It's a good idea. As we've been talking today, we're not here to promote to promote sectarianism or, like, to, to push nah. people away. We want yeah. inclusion. We love all people, and we love all people so much that we want to promote good health. That's right. Because that is a way that we can Lawson bless wants people. wants you all to be
0: vegan so he, you can be a part of his social network. Yeah, so you can be a my, my <laughs> vegan club
1: and we can all, you know, wear matching shirts and hang out. Um, yeah, no, so this is a book by Mark Finley and, and It's people, not even a vegan book, is it? P- <laughs> I, <laughs> I bet it's <laughs> not a vegan book. <laughs> Look, but it is a book about...
0: A really good book about health. It's a
1: really good book about health... Uh, called Health and Wellness Secrets that will change your life. So, yeah, if you have a desire to get more healthy in life, which is, I'm sure, something
0: that all of us do. I've actually been to his wife's um, um, health, wellness, and cooking program that she does. I think it is actually um, plant-based. Yeah, Well, no, it is. It's a plant-based diet that she... um, that she promotes, mm-hmm. and it's really, really good. Yeah, she does an amazing job. Yeah, and one of the things I loved about it, you know, Mark's got this uh, massive evangelistic campaign breathing down his neck, but he's there at the cooking program. He's welcoming everybody at the door. He's just connecting with everybody. Yeah, no, good, good, good people, good book, good material right here.
1: So you can win that one 843 This is Faith FM.
4: Day For a country Where I've never been before No sad goodbyes Will there be spoken For time won't matter anymore the land I'm longing for you and some Just a few More days to labor And then I'll take My heavenly flight And view the land I am longing for you. And someday